folks. XQ quality, better than HQ, but no one knows what the X stands for, except we're extremely good. <clears throat> Here we go. Welcome to episode 190 of Channel Massive. I am Noah. Mark's out there somewhere. <laughs> Playing passive aggressive. And I Thank am you. Mark. Really here. excited. I am here to talk to you, listeners. I am we have Gozer. a guest host this time. <laughs> Unlike last week, we have Southern Scott back. Back. Oh, is that is that my name now? Southern Pride Scott? Well, we have so many damn Scots. It's just we it's, do. It's we very, do. It's oh, very difficult. Do. I'll, I'll take Southern Pride Scott. I like that. <laughs> Southern Pride Scott. Southern Pride. Extra crispy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Extra crispy recipe. Colonels, twenty one spices. All that good stuff. Yes. Well, some KFC now. Mm-hmm. Except I for think, that bowl thing. That thing's Oh, no, no. That's, a, that's just like a mix of goodness. No, that's uh, horrible. No. I do no. not like my food chicken mixed up good. outside of my stomach. Oh. No. I like they just... chicken, too. That's also good. What chicken? Popeye's chicken. Cajun. Oh, I love Popeye's. Yeah. yeah, but see, if you go to Popeye's, mm. get black I mean, red beans and rice. Hell, yeah. I do. Every good. time. Without fail. Mm-hmm. So good. The mashed potatoes and Cajun gravy. And we have already sidetracked. <laughs> our listeners have downloaded <laughs> find our favorite food review show, our special culinary episode. Surprise! <laughs> Where we discuss only the finest of fast food. <laughs> yeah, because you know yeah, fine, fine dining. It's Bojangles. There we go. Oh, fine man, dining I, and fast food are synonymous. What do you miss, Bojangles? Yeah, Bojangles oh. is only on this album. Yeah, Bojangles and is pretty good too. It's, mm. it's, it's like Popeyes because it's Cajun. Yeah, style. it is. Oh, I had that when I was in Atlanta. Yeah, yeah that was pretty good. Other than Popeyes. So. See yeah, if we went, was, if we go to Dragon Con, we can have Bojangles. Yeah, chicken. <laughs> but if no, we go to Tax Prime, what a reason to go to Atlanta. I mean, oh god. Yeah, I'm gonna spend hundreds of dollars on a plane ticket so I can some Bojangles. <laughs> go, go to Atlanta for packs, but stay for the fast food. Yeah, actually, that would so, be I mean, when I go to when I've been to E3, I always made it a point to go to In-N-Out Burger because that's so good. So, yeah, yeah, I'm not quite sold on that. In this episode, <laughs> we are going to talk about the big kerfuffle over Mass Effect 3's ending we talked a little bit about mass effect 3 last week because it was just coming out then and all of the the reviews that had come in were glowing and it just and it had the best sales out of all the games in the trilogy and bioware went on to quote say that it was one of the founders that it was the best game they've ever made the the bioware execs were all hearing i'm walking on sunshine as they walked around they were all dancing in the streets. Yeah, and now a, a week later, and so many hardcore folks have finished the game, there's a really loud group of people who are super angry about the ending. A parentheses S for being <laughs> disappointing, not taking into account 
actions made in the previous games. And what I'd like to do, what, what I think it'd be cool to talk about on this show, and one of the reasons why we have Scott here, is to see, do you guys think that BioWare is in the right or the wrong? Should BioWare make extra DLC that appends or replaces or amends any of the game? And then just the whole concept of gamer entitlement. And that, cause that's something that I've seen thrown back and forth on the internet. I know if you guys have read some of the same stories, even before this game came out, just people acting really self-righteous, we're the customers and you need to do what the customers say because the customers are always right. So just talking about all that. But before we really get into that, I'm going to have another manic Noah intro here where we talk about other things first <laughs> before we get into your wonderful listener feedback before we get into what we've been playing and then before we get into our mass effect 3 discussion first of all i was curious did you guys get game of thrones on blu-ray or dvd or do you quote unquote already have it i've already acquired it through I, shall we say less than i don't have it channels. I have read all the books, and I haven't seen the HBO show at all. What the hell? <laughs> Are you going to get the show? You should watch the show. It's so well done. <laughs> <laughs> Don't cry, Noah. Don't cry. Okay, so like I've watched the show previously, but I went and got the Blu-rays. And I'm watching it again. The last night I watched four of the episodes in a row. They are well done, aren't they? Just freaking love it. I got the book, the first book. Uh, over the holidays, it's on my reading list, but I haven't gotten as far as Scott, unfortunately. But, well, um, I mean, uh, you know, the the books personally kind of got a little tiresome towards the end. I think oh. it was because I, I, they didn't go in the direction I wanted them to go in. <laughs> well, <laughs> books four and five slow the hell down. Yeah, and, yeah, they do. And they they're do. they're supposed to be happening at the same time, but they were split into well, two separate books. I kind of had an issue with the whole. The, you know the dragon chick, and and she really wasn't in like the first couple books, and I just didn't find any investment in her character. And what well, I, I really liked the I really liked the you know the Starks, and I don't know. You're you're still mad about Ned? I am. I I just you know. Yeah, they were the well, paragons of the Empire, and they just crapped all over them. Yeah. Dragon Chick has a really awesome she's a significant part of the television show and has a really cool character arc and is one of the reasons one of the many reasons why I like the show. So from that angle, that'd be a great <laughs> reason for you to watch the show one way or the other. <laughs> I heartily recommend it to you. I actually do like most of HBO's, you know, their epic stuff like that, so I probably yeah. will pick it up at some point. Well, and the writer had involvement in the show, quite a bit of involvement, which is very different from... And he also used to be a screenplay writer, so he really, by having that involvement, knew what the hell he was doing. So, you know, George R. R. Martin is the writer, and um, his you know his hands are all over the big screen adapt... Well, not big screen, the, the small screen adaptation of the book. <laughs> that, so, that was her- hilarious when you just said that I heard George R. R. Martin... I swear that's what he said, too. I totally heard that, too. Jar Jar. I haven't Meet been drinking. I've not been drinking, and I'm slurring my words. Maybe I need to drink to improve my diction or something. I don't know what it is. We've tested this before. It is usually better when you drink. Yeah. I, 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 I'm diametrically opposed in, in podcasting performance to Jason in that respect, I suppose. <laughs> okay. Another thing that has been constantly on our minds 
and we're not in the beta for still. It's mentioned all the time in our conclusion is that Diablo 3 finally has a release date out of the blue. It's coming out in just a couple months, May 15th, with dope online PvP. Just in time for wanting you to buy it for me for my birthday. Hey, that's right. That's just like a few days before your birthday. I really have yeah. a theory on this. I think I think I think Blizzard, Acta Blizzard, is. Uh, I think they're anti-hype. Anti-hype. Not Activision. Activision is all hype. But Blizzard. No, no, no. I, with Diablo three, I think they are they are purposely saying things now to get ire up about Diablo 3 before its release. Oh, you think that's why they brought up the whole no PvP thing? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And the whole thing about, you know, the the how how uh the microtransactions are going to work and how you'll be able to buy equipment and all the all these other things that are, you know, kind of hot button topics. I, I really think they're anti-hype in the games. Could be. Oh, so I get what you're saying. You're you're saying they're putting out negative hype? Yeah. versus Avoiding hype. That's no what publicity. I, no, 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 no. No, they're putting out they're putting out negative hype so that the um, well, a great example is Mass Effect Three. I mean, it was it was supposed to be Nirvonic, and oh my gosh, know. it was ground into the ground. Grained well, yeah, and that's what I'm. I mean, I, I mean, I think it's a great marketing idea because they're actually they're kind of discussing some of the negative things that may cuz I can tell you right now what Diablo 3 is going to do is they're going to release uh multiplayer as a DLC. Oh gosh, don't uh a pay for DLC or a free Oh DLC? yeah. No, no, no. No, I bet it's going to be paid. <laughs> of course. <laughs> or they're going to bundle it in with something else. Oh, like extra content plus yeah. multiplayer. Oh but yeah, 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 yeah. Five bucks or eight bucks. Yeah, I that would see. be that would piss me off. They could even call it an expansion. An expansion. Sure, they will. Yeah, it'll sense. be it'll be a new chapter and multiplayer. Have you guys pre-ordered the game? Nope. No, no, me neither. But are I, you? I have I have so <laughs> many games on my plate. I'm not even I'm not even got enough time for the ones I've got. Do you even consider pre-ordering something else? <laughs> Uh, no, no, actually not. Uh, the only one I'm vaguely interested in besides that is is Guild Wars 2. Yeah, that does seem to have potential. Well, I really like the first Guild Wars. I played it for three years. That's a long I remember, time. Yeah, and it, I remember when we were at PAX Prime, and you're watching, like, what game is that? Like, you, Then you recognize, you're like, it's Guild Wars, and you're watching it, and... You could, since you have so much involvement with the game, you could recognize things that were in it that have been updated or that were carried over. And I was like, "Wow, I wish that I had that <laughs> kind of." Well, I mean, you know, no. being able to play some of the some of the villain races from the first game is pretty cool. So that is cool. I really liked the char. I really was just after playing through all of the expansions for Gold Wars Two. I was really kind of they were such a good villain race. I almost was disappointed that they were kind of like your starter race. <laughs> you know, the villains that you fought at the beginning of the game, so they weren't oh, very powerful. Yeah. So, right. you know, after you after you cap out, I mean, which, granted, in Guild Wars only takes a few minutes, um, <laughs> you know, you could still go back and just slaughter them all wholesale. And I was like, oh, it's such a... This, I mean, it was one of the more full-fledged villain racial groups that they had come up with that I really thought was... I was... I wanted to look forward to playing the char, so... 
many well about a month ago double fine the company behind brutal legends psychonauts and some really kick-ass xbla games stacking costume quest trenched they did a they started a kickstarter fundraiser with a goal of getting four hundred thousand dollars to justify or get them started on a traditional point-and-click adventure game. And since the founders or the masterminds at Double Fine are behind games such as Maniac Mansion 2, Day of the Tentacle, and Grim Fandango, people got freaking stoked about this. Really crazy, far, far surpassing the requested $400,000. Mark and I took guesses of where we thought it was going to top out. And I cynically guessed it was going to top out at 1.5 million, as I recall, because I'm like, oh, now that the the buzz is over, you know, a bunch of people, because it, it rose so quickly in a few days' time. That was my guess. And Mark, I can't remember what you said. Did you say 2 million, 2.5? Do you remember? Um, mine was the highest, but I don't remember what it was. But I don't think either of us guessed that it was going to be 3.3 million yeah. when it finally wrapped up, which yeah. is greater <clears throat> than the total budget of the original Grim Fandango game. Wow. So I, that doesn't necessarily mean that we're getting a, another game that's going to be as epic or incredible as Grim Fandango, but I am really excited to see what they're going to do because there hasn't been an adventure game made with this much excitement behind it, and aside from maybe the King's Quest uh, unofficial sequel. Oh, right, right. And even that was kind of underground that this one this is so high profile and inevitably there have been other companies saying hey do you want a wasteland too we need to raise nine hundred thousand dollars i think is what it was or maybe oh, yeah. it, was, it was cheap it was it was less i think i think it was less than what double fine asked for so that's some kind of fallout related thing there was a yeah, fallout it's the inspiration for fallout yeah so that one's been met just within the last few days and there's other companies starting to do their Kickstarter things and my question now is what's going to be the first huge disappointment of a Kickstarter funded game that will burn all future ones from this because right now it's all like woo yeah people's games it'll probably be yeah. my, my my world of porncraft Kickstarter and as, <laughs> as we as we oh so slightly mentioned player player entitlement is very yeah no doubt <laughs> I started this game. I own it. <laughs> Did we also, Mark, do you remember if we talked about the whole lawsuit between Minecraft creator Mojang and Bethesda over Mojang making its next game title, Scrolls? No, we had talked about um, Mojang kind of versus um, Fortress, oh, Fortress Minecraft. Minecraft versus... But we didn't. We never did go over this one. I always Chris thought Bethesda, that this one was a bit much, a bit ridiculous. Because Bethesda's like, oh my god, Elder Scrolls. Anybody sees the word Scrolls, they're going to assume that that's Elder Scrolls related. Uh, exactly. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm going to trademark the word action. <laughs> it's so funny because it's like everybody always thinks their brand recognition is so much better than it really is. It's like if I see Scrolls, I'm not going to think. Well, it reminds well, me of they, that they don't even they don't even put they don't even really put scrolls in their titles much when they start talking about them. It's Oblivion, it's Skyrim, it's yeah. Morrowind. Yeah, I mean Elder Scrolls. It's I mean really was only pushed in the second one. Yeah, so I'm glad that they were 
They settled their lawsuit. Mojang can call its game Scrolls. Doesn't have to pay anything to Bethesda. But I think this is the only time that this is going to be allowed to happen. And blah de blah. Yeah, Another frivolous lawsuit out the window, as I'm sure we'll have many more to talk about in the future. Oh, sure. But, and, and, and totally shifting gears, uh, first-person shooters, classic first-person shooters like Duke Nukem, Serious Sam, they've raised their ugly heads during the last few years, most notably most recently with Duke Nukem Forever. And we could have thought that might have been the end of it, but perhaps inspired by the wonderful success of Duke Nukem, John Romero has reared his funky dreadlocked head to claim mm-hmm. he's going to come back on the scene and he's going to make a classic old school first person shooter. And I was curious what you guys thought. I had never really played a lot of first person shooters when I was younger because they were too frightening, <laughs> but maybe you guys did. And I was, Oh yeah. If Cause his previous Daikatana aside, he did do some really awesome stuff prior to that. But I was curious what you guys, if, you, if you're interested in this, or you're just like, depends on oh. how old school we're talking. I mean, I don't, I don't want, you know, the original, I must turn left to shoot. I must turn right to shoot. <laughs> I mean, how old school are we going, you know? Right. <clears throat> um, I mean, you know, I, I think some of that you can't really ever recapture. I mean, the old school game, I mean... First-person shooter, old-school games. I mean, they were they were innovative for their time. It wasn't that they were immersive for their time very much. Yeah, and it yeah. almost was a fault for the Duke Nukem game in the reviews that I read. It's like, yeah, it's old-school because it's been in development for 15 years, but it's kind of clunky for being old-school. Well, that's I mean, the thing. Yeah, what does he mean by old-school? Does he mean it'll have, like, no real plot to it and, you know, just, you know be so amazed by the graphics that are in, you know, non 2d and aren't, you know, just scrolling across the background that you'll be like amazed or does he, does he, I mean, it's, it's like, what does he mean by old school? Will it have old school values like that? Or will it be, you know, a brand new shiny engine, but, um, you well, know, I mean, it'll, you know, some of the original kind of innovative first person shooters, I mean, I'm just thinking like, you know, Aliens or um, mm-hmm. uh, the original Resident Evil. Those, to me, I consider are better for, you know, kind of, I would consider those old school first person shooters. To me, you know, Quake, the first Quake, you know, that, yeah. that um, and it was, but it was all because they had something innovative at the time, you know, Aliens really brought suspense gaming to the forefront. Even Resident Evil brought story into a first-person shooter. You know, you had um, the, uh, you know, the rest of them were just kind of all canned. I mean, even now, I mean, you go back and redo Aliens, and it's like, are you going to tell me it's going to be better better done than Alan Wake? No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what he means by old school, you know. Um, so trepidatious for now. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I'd have to, especially since you know, Dai Katana was such a, you know, I mean, it was actually not a bad game. It was just that it didn't live up to the hype, and it was kind of an old school. Bitch. It was kind of a, it was like well behind the curve for what the contemporary games that were released at the same time were. So, so you, you think know. maybe he's just recognizing that 
he doesn't quite have the skill set or the knowledge to make a, a modern first-person shooter, so he's covering his ass by saying, I'm going to make an old-school shooter because that's all that I know how to make. No, no, he has too much of an ego for that. Um, he would never <laughs> find fault with himself. I think he just thinks that everyone is has the same sensibilities he has, but they're a silent majority, and he's going to... He's going to bring them all together with this new, you know, wonderful um, game released by a luminary from the distant past of the industry, which I, I don't believe. You mean Richard Garriott? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. It'd be like if Richard Garriott was like, took a look at like, you know, Dragon Age and um, Mass Effect 3 or whatever and said... You know, they're just not able to tell the story like I was able to do with um, Aclabeth and um, Ultima 1 or something like that, you know? It'd be that same kind of, like, total hubris, you know? I just I just can't imagine that it's going to amount to much. But maybe I'm just negative. Maybe it'll really rock. Maybe he'll make me his bitch. Mm. <laughs> that was what he said about Daikatana. He did. That, that was, was the whole slogan. That's true. Yeah, John Romero's going to make you his bitch. And instead, like, it was like the end of his his reputation for a long time. <laughs> Apparently, though, he's been doing a lot of stuff with, like, mobile games and, you know, um, I think, like, uh, Flash games and stuff like that. And maybe he's, you well, know, actually, found a solid I mean, foundation. That would be, you know, come up with, put that really well-done, old-school-style shooter on a mobile platform would be innovative. Sure. They're, they're not bad on the mobile platform. If you come up with a way of, of making the controls work. Right. I mean, that's the, I mean, you, you get that down and I mean, that would be compelling. Yeah, no, that's true. That might, maybe that's what he's got in mind or a flash based one. You know, I don't know. Well, anyway, enough of, enough of that. What else do we yeah. have? Our, our rapid, so, Paste. The last item, I was saving the best for last because Scott had said he had answers to my questions concerning Star Wars The Old Republic. As of today, we're recording on a Thursday, March 15th. You can get in and play the game for free all the way through the end of the weekend. So actually, yeah, I guess it's either Sunday at midnight or Monday midnight. It's 15th through the 19th. Um, you can play for free. You can play all eight character classes. You can level all the way up to 15. However, you can't use chat pretty much of any kind, general chat, trade chat, or PvP chat. There goes and, my cyber options with the fresh meat. Fuck. That's yeah. right. And also, you can't do it if you previously had an active game account. Oh, and, well, I'm doubly and, screwed. And here's the worst part, Noah, is they're only on the starter worlds and the home worlds, so you can't even go to the PvP server and gank the noobs. True <laughs> that. That was like, that was the best thing about World of Warcraft, was that you could go as a hunter to the, uh, to the uh, like a night elf hunter, you could go to the orc, orc uh, starter zone, and you could train, like you could be like level 85 or whatever, 60, whatever. You could train a, a one of those pigs that are right there at the starter zone to be your pet. So you could have a level one pet. And then when the noob came to for their first quest to kill the pigs, they'd hit your pet, which would flag them for PvP. And then you could like demolish them with one shot and try and do like <laughs> 33,000 damage to them and stuff. 
And you can't even get away with that on this. That, that would no. just have been so fun. I mean, you know, I play a fair amount on our PvP server, and it's not really that dangerous. <laughs> it's not at all dangerous. It's like the safest. Well, now, ever. granted, we're we're playing Empire, and pretty much every server is a two to one advantage for the Empire. Still, I've been ganked three times total, and that's it. That's and I'm always on the PvP worlds, and I that's it. I've been ganked three times. Well, see, I, Which, I, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of getting... I start hunting folks down now, so... Oh, so I, you're... Like, I'll go to Alderaan, I'll go to Tatooine just to look for, for folks now, so... You're looking for trouble, mister. It's fun. Well, what do you think? Do you think um, this will have a... This will cause a, a growth to the user base, um, the player base, or do you think it'll be a you net? You know, I don't, I don't really know if that's the whole purpose. I think it that may be a secondary purpose. I think it's to keep uh, um, Old Republic in the news. Oh, yeah. Something new to talk about before the, you know, the quote-unquote Jesus patch comes out. Oh, man, I can't um, wait for the Jesus patch. That, I mean, I think that's that's kind of what it's doing. I mean, the secondary piece is it will, you know, I mean, the few people on the fence that weren't going to spend the money to get in the game to start with or that don't have a friend that's in it with his five, you know, trial <laughs> licenses. I mean, there's been opportunities to play. Yeah, this I mean, yeah. I mean there. I mean, you know, the probably the the most accurate way you can ever tell what their their subscriber numbers are is through you know the, the financial stuff, and that you know they've pretty much proven it's 1.7 million active subscribers. That's not right. People that bought the game—that is, people paying per month to play—so yeah, it puts which it, isn't bad. Puts it solidly at second place. So even if this kicks them up to two million, I mean, yeah. How many hours do you have in, into it? Do you think do you, do you use Raptor? Oh, I don't use Raptor, but I can probably guess. See, I've got nine characters. No, yeah, nine characters, and see, I've got. One at forty, one at thirty-eight. Probably, I don't know, somewhere close to the hundred-hour mark. Oh wow! I was just looking at people I know who are playing it, and um, our friend Eric is at two hundred and sixty-five hours. He's number one. I'm at one hundred and sixty-four. Um, military Scott's at one fifty-seven. You know what? I may be more than that. I, I think mean, he I... might be. Tears at ninety-two, um, and Jason is at like. 28. There are weekends I'll put in, you know, 12, 15 hours through the course of a weekend. So, And it's been out for a while. So, I, yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah, I just got elite status in, in um, Raptor, which means whenever you get that, it means you're playing way too much of a game. <laughs> so, I don't know. What do you think, Noah? Do you think it has a big meaning? Or do you think it's just, do you think it's what Scott says, just something to keep it in the headlines? Or? Well, when it, when how, was the first drop off of people who bought the game or got the game at Christmas? Wouldn't that have been around January? Do you get thirty days of free time when you first? Yes, yeah, days that would have been about January. So possibly the there has been subscriber drop off that's been occurring since then. And it's well, the, the one point seven was what. 
three and a half weeks ago was when that announcement came out. So I mean, this was after the end of this of the month where people would have had to pay for a month. So this would have been, you know, no one who bought the game or pre-ordered the game would have any time left in any way. So and you know, yeah, the numbers are floating between two and a half and three in sales. So. You know, so maybe still retaining just, 65-70% of the people that bought it are buying into a second month. I mean, that's decent. It, it's actually doing – I think it's doing pretty well. Um, but I wonder if the influx of new blood has drastically dropped off. And that would be the easiest explanation for this is that, well, everybody who's locked in, they're locked in or they've dropped off. But nobody else is really buying the game. Right. I mean, it could be a way of extending the tail. I mean, I could, you know, the noon, the the honeymoon period. I could. That's possible. Yeah. I really, I mean, I really see it kind of can, keeping that, keeping it on the radar. I mean, right now you're getting a lot of Guild War Two news. You're getting a lot of ancillary product news. Um, I mean, even from even from from Bioware. I mean, Mass Effect Three is all over the place. Yeah, that's. They true. just want to keep. They want to keep Star Wars on your on your mind. Yeah. I'm going to keep a sense. Star Wars state of mind. The previous sci-fi RPG, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's already been deprecated for Mass Effect 3. But, um, so, yeah, that's anyway. the end of my intro puri, intro potpourri. Wow. That was a pretty good one. Yeah, it's, it's a little longer than last episode, but just some we quick stuff I topics. wanted to... Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to get through all those items with you guys and see what you thought. But with that all taken care of, we're now going to get into listener feedback next. This episode of Channel Massive is sponsored by UGT Servers. When you order Ventrilo hosting from UGT, you get all of the powerful administration features hardcore gamers want and the ease of use that newbie gamers need. With 24-hour tech support, 13 locations worldwide, and a 15-day money-back guarantee, you'd be crazy not to check them out. Head to UGT-Servers.com for all of your Ventrilo hosting needs. Thank you, listener. In the singular for writing in, we we hope you, you as a community will do better next week because just one email, well, it doesn't just it just doesn't give us options to you know call the the uh, the massive amount of mail we usually have. So anyway, the best and worst email we got this week was from Agamemnon. Best he writes, best. yes, the the shortest, the longest, you know, all those things. Um, he writes, yo, ho, ho, and a bottle of wild turkey, um, which I think Agamemnon would be a fine gangplank player based on that um, for <laughs> League of Legends. But anyway, he says, Mass Effect 3, I have both one and two. One, I played for a few hours and just never had the time to finish. And two is still sitting on in the unopened Xbox package, which is, as an aside, I would say is exactly the state of my um, Mass Effect collection. Um I just don't have the time, really, to go through them. But by the time I'm able to, Mass Effect 3 will probably be about 20 bucks at GameStop. Lol. 
Trailers look pretty cool, though. I would probably it would probably take me a year to get through all three games as well. And then he talks about the um, iPad versus Android versus Win Eight topic that we've discussed. Blah. Pads cost too much, no matter which one they are. Three hundred, eight hundred plus for a touchpad on a ten on a less than ten inch screen. If I had to pick one, it would probably be Android, so I could root it and do what I want with it. The rest of them are just too propri- proprietary for my tastes. I've been eyeballing the Asus Transformer for about a year, but just can't bring myself to buy one, and I'm in a security job where we're in and out of meetings, mobile on the go between buildings and doing presentations. Carrying a laptop and paper slash folders just isn't fun, and a pad would come in handy, but the price, poofed. Lots of info in this week's podcast to digest. Keep it up. Regards, Agamemnon. Um, well, thanks for thanks for the um, good feedback. Um, I would disagree. I'm I'm a as Noah can attest. I am. I really like my iPad. <laughs> I really use it a lot. <laughs> it, yeah, I, I was, use I was it wondering more than my gonna... laptop. Do you have the one or the two? The one. I have the one. Are you going to get a three? Maybe. All the cool kids are getting a three. For for, (laughs) for what I need, I don't. I don't really. I mean, for what I use it for, I don't really need Retina display. So what? And I don't need 4G for what I use it for. Do not. Do not take the Retina display lightly. (laughs) The Retina display is the finest technology known to mankind. It Apparently. was made. It was made and developed with the blood and bones of Stephen Jobs. So I mean, that's it, what I was about. To, I was about to say. Basically, they they, they, they they use crushed up Steve Jobs bones to make. The yeah, every play. single one of those displays <laughs> will have a little piece of Steve Jobs in it. So you know, I mean, it's it's his legacy to us, yeah, and, and we must follow his teachings and and remember him for what he for saving mankind through his sacrifice. Wait, that's Mass Effect 3 or the Bible. But anyway, I digress. Um, well, that's interesting. You know, you can root your – you can root an iPad, though. That's Here's really the point. Want to. What are you trying to do to it that you can't find a 99-cent app to do it with? Why do you need to root anything? Well, some I don't people – I've, I've never really understood it. I really haven't. Some people don't like to pay for their apps. <laughs> Now, I know that's a strange concept, but some people really just don't feel like they should have to pay for them, so they root it. Yeah, but, I mean, it's just such a hassle. For Android, though, some of the rooted Androids have, um, you know, you can, if you root it, you can get the latest version of the OS ahead of schedule. For well, now, there is that, I mean, there's some compelling reasons on the Android versus Yeah, the I think it's a lot that. different. Yeah. What, I mean, what would be the value of rooting an iPad? Because, I mean, you only have one place to go get the software anyway. So. Yeah, I mean, the only, the only thing about rooting an iPad or an iPhone is just you get all the, you can get all the apps for free, um, you know, which... I've never rooted – as bad as I, I used to be about piracy, I, I never rooted my, either of my iPhones and never even thought about it because I think I like the security. I like to be able to do you know online banking and stuff with them, and I really don't want to have you know perhaps I, not legitimate have a apps. hack open on – yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, also, I guess you could say there's a moral element there too where I'd be stealing, but you know that – it's never stopped me in the past, but I'm just saying. Um, but yeah, I, I I I think it's an interesting idea. 
um, to to think about what are the disadvantages of rooting, um, you know, versus the the obvious advantages, and and that would definitely be one. It would be the from a security point of view, you could be opening yourself up to a lot of bad stuff. So I mean, I would say from from his comment, the Asus Transformer is pretty daggum awesome when you get the keyboard attachment with the extra battery in it. Oh yeah, but there's these new eighteen hours of battery. There's this new Galaxy one. I can't remember the name of it, but it's got. It'll let you use a stylus. So if you're at all artistic, you can you can actually you know do your do. It's like having a really nice pad for drawing, and it's smart enough that if you touch the stylus to the screen first and then put your um, hand on it, it knows not to register your hand weight. So you can actually hmm. really draw, or really write, you know, which would be really cool, I think. But I mean, they're just coming out with all kinds of cool variations on the Android. In fact, I've been thinking about it, and it's like, when I do, you know, have some discretionary money to spend, and I and I go to get a pad of some type, it's going to be an Android one, even though I have an iPhone. So I, I just like I like I like some of the different options you get. Well, that's interesting because I would ask you for advice, and there was a while you were leaning more towards recommending that I get an iPhone. I was recommending for you to get an iPhone, um, just because of your the the kind of like the use case that. Well, okay, at the time um, there weren't any current Android phones at that time. Is when the like the Evo and the Thunderbolt were popular, were the like the latest and greatest, and they had such bad battery life. So, like, their usability was really kind of limited by the fact that you couldn't have the damn thing running for more than five hours. I would um, still say get the iPhone, Noah. Well, I, I made my choice, and I got Spend the Razer Max. Oh, but Siri is just so awesome. She is just great. Yeah. Well, I was when my, that hey, I was... When, I can, when I'm walking down this, when I'm at the office and I can say, remind me when I get home to take out the trash. And my phone will remind me when I get home to take out the trash. That's pretty but, freaking awesome. Yeah, I think it's cool. It's just that she's still in beta. And I want the full vision of Siri. And I wanted a phone that I could customize more. And I was worried that I'd get frustrated without being able to do something. I was probably sold when I, when I was figured out that I could make her call me master. So. <laughs> no way. Yes, you can say, from now on, call me this. And she will, you know, Master, don't forget to take out the trash. Oh, <laughs> awesome. That is a pretty significant selling point that I wish I had known. I'm going to start working with the one I have at work and have it refer to me as my dark lord. I think, I think that'll be entertaining. And I'm, I'm just going to walk around the office and talk to it all the time and watch my coworkers cringe. Well, and she, is, she is actually, I mean, the more you use her, the better she becomes. Right. It's kind of like one of those um, Peter Molyneux games, you know? <laughs> Almost. Yeah. Well, anyway, thanks for writing in, Agamemnon. That was that was um, nice to hear from you. Yeah. That, I, it's I, funny that your your whole his Mass Effect three uh, stance is exactly identical to my own. So, um, although I'm way more excited to play them now after all of the. Um, well, what would you the the media frenzy around Mass Effect yes. Three, and finding out more about it, that it's a lot more philosophical in its storytelling than I had oh, imagined. Oh well, 
just just wait till we talk about it. Yeah, that's up next. Well, actually, we're going to talk about what we've been playing, and then after that, it's all Mass Effect Three all the time. So so stay with us, listeners. Week we have a triangular table, and uh, <laughs> we will go around this triangular table. Um, and we will discuss what we've been playing for the last week. And I think since uh, Scott has joined us this week, we should start with Scott. What have What have you been playing? Well, I'll try to be um, short winded here. Um, let's see. Um, well, Mass Effect Three, but we'll talk about that one later. Um, I have uh, put a lot of time into the Old Republic, um, both on the PvP and the PVE server. I'm still I'm still soloing it on PvP. Um, which is not not as bad as you can think. I've been in a couple hundred groups of just pick up and a few guilds here and there, but I haven't joined anybody. But um, it's it's still fun. Um, I'll that's I'll be in that game for a long time. So I'm not I'm not looking at leaving it anytime soon. I'm not disappointed in it in any way. It is an MMO. It plays like an MMO. You know, it's just a really well done game. I mean, I, I didn't have any illusions of what it was supposed to be before I got there. So um I'm still impressed with the companion characters myself. So it Oh it, yeah. I mean Love I them. think that has been just so washed over. Yeah. It's because it's, because they're compared to single player NPCs. Right. I think that it's washed over that okay, A, you have these really cool companion characters that each have their own kind of storyline that you can you know, grind faction to to experience with basically, and also that they're they're tightly integrated into the crafting system as well. That I mean, that is just <laughs> I I really do like the crafting system in the oh, game. Oh, it's it's the best stuff ever. up, and you can queue stuff up before you leave. And I mean, it's just oh, it's just it's just good. They're, they've yeah. really done some. They've really made. Now, granted, I'm not going to say everything's great about it. I mean the the uh, arena PvP needs some needs some work. Um, some of the the server balancing, you know, with Empire versus um, Alliance that that need once they get cross server queuing. Oh that's yeah, that's one of the gonna... big things they're working on. I think a lot of that will kind of go away. Um, but I mean, really, really impressed. Still impressed with it. And I think I think it's it's going to be one of those games that's going to be in up for a long time. Um, I am uh, still playing World of Tanks. Uh, which hey, what do you think of World of Airplanes or World of? Um, I actually World of Airplanes interests me more than um, what's the naval one? That world one to me seems like PT boats. World of Warplanes. <laughs> world of Warplanes. World of Warplanes. Yeah, I am. That's... I am interested in. I think that'd be if it's done the same way they do World of Tanks. Um, I could see where that would be really, really cool. I've, have you looked at the um, any of the gra- the like movies for that? Like the in- oh yeah yeah oh it's really beautiful. And, I mean, the way that they do tank combat is is pretty arcadey, and right. to me those type of games to make them fun for me, I don't want to know how to drive a World War II tank, and I don't really want to fly a World War II airplane. Mm. But it's fun to play it as an arcade. I don't need a sim. If I want that, I'll go play Microsoft Flight. Um, I like the arcade style. I'm pretty sure that's, you know, that's that's what they're gonna, um, you know, bring. To, they're just gonna make World of Warplanes is the same business successful business model they got in World of Tanks, and it is successful and it it's fun. It uh, 
there's some grind in it, but they're be, you know they're beginning to kind of get their you know dial that in a little bit so it's not near as bad as it used to be. Um, really, really, really like that game, and that's one of my that's my pickup games. You know, like I oh, go in and cool. play for because you you can play a match in about ten minutes, and then I can you know I can put it aside or I can go pick up another one. I can play a different tank. I can you know. Well, that's um, even faster than Dominion. Yeah, well, I mean that's that's kind of the point. A lot of times, you know, one of the things that that really did irk me about League of Legends was, you know, I could go weeks without a decent game, even if I'm playing decently. After a while, you know, it's like, you know, <laughs> it's really starting to get bothersome. <laughs> and I know Noah, you've had you've had those long strings where you almost put it completely down, and it's it's still on my drive. I still occasionally fire it up, but it's not, um, it's not near as at, at the moment. I'm kind of sucked into you know. Yeah, it's nice to do something different. Anyway. Everyone's yeah, I, I did yeah. um I did need to pull away. Um, but yeah, I'm still working on Skyrim. That's one of those that'll be on my drive for a very long time. That it. It'll just take me a long time to get through because there's so much other stuff going on. But I really, that game is really good, really good. Um, it's 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 just not. They just didn't do that much innovative with it. The problem is, is it's it's not Bioware, so the storytelling is gets a little more. It's not as invocative. In, in, what's the word I'm looking for? It doesn't invoke the same level of emotion that a Bioware game does. Evocative? Evocative. There we go. I, you know, I was trying to throw my southern twang in there. The evocative one. But anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> I've uh, I probably got 25 hours into that thing. and uh, Skyrim? But it, yeah. Cool. Um, but, I mean, I've had it, you know, since like the week it came out. So that's really not that much time if you think about the the window of time we're talking about there but uh right. um that's pretty much it from the gaming standpoint um you know play a few little here and there games on my on my iPad but nothing Have you tried uh, to tower help. defense lost earth on your iPad? I haven't because you you know I just just haven't and you got to try it <laughs> I'm not near in tower defense games like you are, though. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, I guess you have to have a certain addictive problem. I mean, it's with fun. Them. I like tower defense games. They're just not compel compelling. You don't, to me. you don't view them as the height of Western civilization. No, yeah. no. So anyway, that's what I've been playing. Cool. What about you, Noah? What have you been doing? I, I, I suspect I know a few things you've been playing, <laughs> like Mass Effect One. Yes. Yeah, so it's been I downloading this in the, this, last the Star show. Wars new uh, free weekend. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I have not been doing that. Scott desperately wants you to join us. Scott, we will rule the galaxy super. as father, son, and, and are you kidding, Mark? Um, I just want us to join us. <laughs> I do too. You know, I have I have some. I met some. Well, I'll I'll wait till my segment. I mean, okay. I'll wait till my turn. But we we need to we need to pick a day. That's what we need to do. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. You guys do that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, meanwhile. <laughs> well, meanwhile, behind 
Meanwhile, I've got this bad 3DS game that I'm struggling to get through, and you won't hear me mention it again after this show, fingers crossed, because I said, all right, I will get my review for that game done this weekend. So wish me luck in finishing that game. It's been eating away time at playing games I'm genuinely excited about. Like, I got SSX, even in spite of my misgivings, and it ended up being a little bit more fun than I expected, which is good. And try to get into some other new stuff like Shadows of the Damned, didn't really work for me, but there's this excitement and this hype and all this frenzy, as Mark said earlier, about Mass Effect in general. And it's like I gotta get freaking play that game because I, you know, as I embarrass, I'm embarrassed to mention I have the first two games and I hadn't played through even like the opening area of the first <clears> one. <throat> I started it several times, but I hadn't gotten past the first little segment that's on a planet, which is called the prologue, apparently. And I finally got through it, and it's just like, oh, man, I hate it when – I don't know if you guys have done this before, where you start a game, and then you walk away from it, and you're like, oh, man, I need to play that. And you're playing the same section that you've played before, and then you leave, and then you come back, and it's like, oh, my gosh, if I have to play this section one more time, even if it's been months and months and months ago. All right, like, no, oh, I'm going to make sucks. you feel bad here. I've played through the first Mass Effect four times. Wow. How the last time I played through it was just to get a save to bring into Mass Effect 2. I played through the whole game just to get the save. Why? Just because Why it's compelling. That? Well, were you cha- were you doing it to see different like play? What I wanted was I wanted two vastly different saves to oh. see what that would do in Mass Effect 2. Oh, okay. And so you did what, Paragon and Renegade? Well, no, I mean, like, let this character die, but not let this character die. Or, you know, you, there's some pretty, I mean, if you do this, the rest of the game will change in a significant way. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's, like, whole dialogue trees and storylines for characters that may or may not have Mass Effect 3, depending yeah. on you let live in Mass Effect 2. Or you can get to survive Mass Effect 2, I guess is a better way to put it. Um, so I started it, and I put in a good four hours and one of the biggest things that I debated with myself when I first started this is just like okay I'm a real gamer I'm a hardcore gamer should I put this on casual (laughs) or not should I put the fighting on casual should I put the auto saves turned on Um, should I have everything auto level itself up and including my character and my squad mates and I said F it in the interest of just enjoying the game for what it is and getting to Mass Effect 2 quicker, because everything I've read says Mass Effect 2 is a much better game. It's, it's an improved game over Mass Effect 1. Not that Mass Effect 1 sucks, but Mass Effect 2 is a, is a really great refinement of the franchise. And so I put everything on casual and autosave and auto-level up, and I just I really loved it. And I, I can't believe it, because I used to love role-playing games, and I really think part of where I got kind of out of it was when it's like channel massive let's play mmos and that became my rpg de facto my de facto rpg experience and mmos have lost, are not very good at rpg but they're yeah they are not that great at that and i i was just tired i didn't want to play any rpgs at all after with all the experiences that i had in mmos and it's like and there was always another new mmo to jump into that i was genuinely interested into but playing a single player rpg it's like meh I'd buy them, and then I wouldn't touch them. Mass Effect being perfect example of that. Uh, so I was really surprised that when I played it 
I'm like, this is awesome. And I got to the first little boss. And <laughs> the funny thing was, is like, I wasn't going to stores. I wasn't upgrading any of my armor or my weapons. I'm like, I wonder if the whole auto level up is taking care of that too. I don't know. It, and it probably that, was not. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it was. <laughs> I got to the first mini the first boss and I'm like, well, I'm going to take these two dudes because they're combat focused. And yeah, I've got biotics, but I never use it because I never even bring up the skill wheel. <laughs> oh <laughs> I man. Shoot. I just point and shoot and I have it on casual. So you can be aiming like your reticle can be like two feet away from the character that you're shooting at. And it still hits. I mean, it's the most lame, easy way of playing it. And I was playing the boss and this is so embarrassing, but like, uh, uh, you can only have a party of three and my two side characters died and I didn't even know when they died. Um, the first one died and that was a surprise. I didn't realize that he died. And then the other one, I saw that his life bars were, I'm like, I don't know how to heal him. <laughs> and this is like four <laughs> hours in and it's like, can I revive the other guy that's died? And then, the, then my second character, he died too. And the sad thing was, is that between the two of them on their whole autopilot gameplay, they'd killed the boss, but what had killed them were these two little defensive turrets they're on either side of the boss. That's what it killed them. And so I'm like, holy. I know where you're talking about because it's like the guy in the uh, in the bar. Yeah. 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 Fist. You got, so you died in a bar fight? No. It's well, a, it's like you're it's like it's you're pack. like one of the shadow broker guys that you're going after. Yeah. I remember yeah, that. So I'm like, holy crap! These super powerful turrets are all that's left. I'm not really sure if how much heal gel I got and if I'm going to survive. And my life bar was down to like 25. percent and I just like I just popped out around the corner. And I'm like boom, boom, boom! I'm like shoot, shoot, shoot the turret, shoot the turret, please die! And I just barely got past it. And I'm like, wow, are my dead characters? Are they gonna get experience points for this? I don't even know. And then like all of a sudden they popped back alive for the they do that occurred after it. And thank goodness for clarifying that for me, Scott. But I, I still was satisfied. I'm like, wow, this is really embarrassing because every time I've played an RPG in the past, it's like I know what's going on. I know what the weapon system is and the armor system is because with Final Fantasy as a you know my original favorite RPG series, every game has a totally different battle sequence uh, uh, system, armor system, spell system. You have to learn all that crap over again. So I know I'm capable of it. I just am too lazy anymore to care about it. But I love the game so much. I love all the dialogue trees and the side missions. I'm still on the Citadel. I haven't even left to actually go anywhere on the Normandy. I'm like, this game is just so awesome. And so I took some time to sit down and read the manual, which there, this game actually had a manual, unlike so many recently. And I'm like, I'm going to learn how to fight and how to get my characters back to life and to live. And I'm going to learn how to upgrade my armor and weapons now that I put for ours. But the funny thing is, is we talked about this. Just to, we talked about this over two episodes. It's Jennifer Hepler mode. I played it in story mode, and I liked it for that. Where it's just like I don't have to worry about the combat. I'm just going to shoot, 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 whatever, blah, blah, blah. Let's do more story, and uh, it's totally satisfying. I can totally understand where she's coming from. But now that I love the game so much and I want to get the most out of it, I'll try to have a better... well. And I will say, Mass Effect One, you has much more inventory management. In either of the other two games, by by far. Oh my gosh! By just far. Like, all the loot is always the same. It's like, hey, you got this armor, which I swear I've seen the name before, and you got this thing, and it's like, whatever. I've gotten this every time. It's like, yeah, take it all. And thank goodness there's 150 items because I haven't managed it at all. I haven't converted anything to Omni Gel, sold anything, and I only had one piece of armor that I could upgrade my Shepherd to. So I'm like, sure. And then there's this big dramatic sequence where you get promoted to a Spectre. 
I'm supposed to be so serious. It's like, you've really earned it. And this is such an honor because you're the first human specter and I'm wearing this ghetto camo armor that really looks out of place and doesn't even make sense in the context of the game. And they're like all praising me and giving this big speech. I'm like, guys, you don't know. I just autopiloted my way through this. I don't think I deserve all this praise. Uh, hey. Leave your accolades <laughs> for someone more worthy. Yeah, I did not deserve them. <clears throat> well, I will say, you know how um, – have you played Dragon Age, either of the Dragon Ages? No, but uh, Mark has gotten me the first Dragon Age. And as much as I've loved this game, it's like I've got to play Dragon Age. I've got to play Dragon Age. Well, no, I would say play, Ma- play. play Mass Effect before you play Dragon Age. Oh, yeah, yeah. But um, going forward in second Dragon Age and in second Mass Effect, you don't really have to manage your NPCs to the near of the level that you've had to in Mass Effect 1. Like, you have to give them armor, you have to upgrade their armor, you have to upgrade their weapons so that they stay... Um, Alive. <laughs> well, un- uh, combati- combatively relevant. If Very you want good them, putting it, yes. <laughs> I mean, if you want them to, to be of an assistance other than just a story crutch, you have to spend time on... I mean, it's not... I mean, we're not saying hours and hours, but you have no. to... You know, you have to put yeah. time into that. And two and three... You may want to change their loadouts on weapons and things like that, but you don't have. To, I mean, it's not to the same level of detail. Like, I mean, you. I mean, there's 30 different types of of weapons in the in Mass Effect One, different brands, and you have to look and see oh which gosh, one is better and which one is not. Which uh. and in, and what they do. In, I mean, you may have in two and three, you may get five types of of. Uh, um. Assault rifle, and yeah. you know which one. I mean, they you get the little bars. What's better? What's worse on each one, and and then you, you the way what you do is you basically buy upgrades that can do all of those weapons. So it's not all t- all of that type. So you don't have to go find the little piece to do. Oh, I want to put cryo shells in this gun, so I've got to go find a bunch of cryo shells to do it in all my guns. You, you don't have to go to that level of detail in the second two, so. It does sort of simplify some of that piece. That's the only negative piece I ever really found about Mass Effect One was it was some of the inventory management was a bit a bit much. Versus Cumbersome. I want to get back. Yeah, because yeah, you want to. I want to get back to the story. I mean, oh, the world not, is so cool. The alien design is so cool. There's so many cool races, and I haven't even gotten into going to the planets. I love the '80s sci-fi soundtrack synthesizer and lens flares and the cinematic movie grain filter. There's just so much to love about it. It's really, really well done. And I don't know well, if this means Mark will check it out or not, but I feel like Mark now because Mark's like, you need to play Dragon Age. I'm like, yeah, I should. Maybe not. I don't know. Well, and I and would argue like, that... Um, Mark, you should play Mass Effect. <laughs> uh, we're going to get into this Mass Effect 3. I'm going to, A lot of my discussion, since I'm not going to give too many spoilers away, will, is uh, it's about Mass Effect as a whole. So we'll talk about that in a minute. Anyway, what else have you been playing? The only thing I haven't really played is League of Legends because I haven't had time because I put my time towards that 3DS game and Mass Effect. And I, it's been a long time since I've had a game where I'm actively really engaged in the world and I'm thinking about it when I'm not playing it and I want to play it more. So because I'm so codependent with League of Legends and I haven't played it in a while, I really do want to play it. I'm really excited about the champion art of the new face sorceress, whatever. She looks really cool and... I've bought some new champs that I want to try, but 
gosh, it's like now it's a question of time. The, that tower defense game on my phone, that also is really cool. Oh, I so, have to try that, too. Yeah, you do. It's great. I it's played a little bit before I got my hair cut tonight, and then they're like, hello, hello, you're, are you ready to do your hair cut? I'm like, oh, oh, sorry. I was <laughs> so sucked into my little tower defense game. Immersive. Um, cool. <laughs> yes, it's it's bad. Um, so I, I need to play a little bit of League of Legends just because I, I have to get my crack fix. Haven't played it, though. So that's that's all for me. Cool. Well, I guess we come to my part of the, the triangular table, virtual table. Um, so, shocker here, I haven't played any League of Legends either this week at all. I don't mean like none, which is, I can't remember a week in recorded history where I didn't <laughs> play League of Legends. <laughs> so I I kind of expected like some announcement from Riot, like, um, we need, uh, you know, Mark to start playing again because we're starting to think that this is, you know, a significant problem because normally he's such a lifer. I was, I was looking exactly. at my my raptor stats for that game and um it's, i don't even want to know you want to know so game. i i estimate that i got raptor about halfway through my addiction to uh league of legends and of the 1171 hours of gameplay it's tracked for me <laughs> um 527 have gone to league of legends wow Holy cow. <laughs> I'm I'm probably pretty close to that. Yeah, and that's half of the time I've played it because I didn't have Raptor before it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, listeners, if you haven't seen Raptor, it's really cool because it'll help you. It, it tracks, like, your gameplay. It does all kinds of cool statistical stuff. But what's really cool is it um, tracks your friends, too. And it, it's multi-platform, so it can, it can track um, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, um, Steam, P- various PC games, um, a Nintendo games as well. It's really cool. I, I think it's like a, kind of a must-have thing if you're a gamer. What's cool is it gives you like chat capabilities with your friends and you know tells you when they what they played and when they played last, and it kind of ranks you for your your dedication to gaming amongst your friends that have it. So. Um, of everyone that is a Raptor member that plays League of Legends that I know I'm number one, which is kind of, <laughs> kind of scary because it's like I say, it's only half of the truth. Who's number one? Who is number two? <laughs> Who is number two? Um, anyway, so no League of Legends for me, but a lot of Raptor observing, I guess. Um, so I've only been playing, um, Star Wars The Old Republic and the reason why is the, I got towards the middle point of um, the second chapter, and it was just so compelling that I've just buckled down to complete it, and so now I'm in, uh, I finished that, and now I'm in chapter three, and I really enjoyed how it went for the the uh, Sith Warrior, or Juggernaut, well, I guess it's the Sith Warrior storyline, was really fun. Um, so now I'm in chapter three, and I'm level 41, I think, 40 or 41, I'm, I'm right on the nice. border, and uh, so I have that going, and I have a level 18 um inquisitor that i i i just kind of uses my um kind of my auction house mule and um her storyline is really good too and i'm kind of torn i'm like as soon as the storyline for um you know my main character gets slow i'm going to revert to her because i know there's like really cool stuff coming uh, right around the corner so um you know the show 
probably is mostly dedicated to Mass Effect 3, but it's yet another Bioware title with a compelling storyline that's actually managed to make an MMO, you know, fun and interesting. As I do have a question just for grind. Sure. Because I, I found myself doing this, and not intentionally. I'm not really much of a, a role player. But I have gotten to the point now, because I'm getting into the story of my characters, like, I play my character a certain way, and I've never really done that before. It's always been, like, a choice at the moment. Yeah, I do that, too. In MMOs. Now, for single-player games, I'll say, this is how, you know, I kind of develop a persona for the, you know, for the character I'm playing, but I've never really done that in MMOs. And this guy, I mean, all of my characters in there, they they play a certain way. Yeah. Um, and that's and I, kind of, I'm kind of that's the same really way cool. Yeah, I, I have that too. This character, when I play him, he's you know as evil as you can be as a Sith. I've almost maxed out my evilness, right? So I'm almost at level five for which is as low as you can go for evil. Um, and his his physical appearance is not very good right now. But the thing is, I my whole thing is he's loyal. He's like a really good like. Um, leader because he's loyal to his companions and and always does the right thing and always treats them well so it's kind of a funny you know like dichotomy between being a total bastard to the entire world including whoever he's working for especially you know it's pretty obvious he's destined to overthrow his uh dark lord oh but, yeah into yeah. chapter three you're so, killing Mar- bargus I mean, that's just gonna yeah. happen i mean it's, he's definitely the opposite of like the uh typical middle manager who's like um kiss up kick down he's more like kick up kiss down so he's he's good to those who work for him but a total bastard for everyone else and it's kind like of my... funny it's fun to play that way you know yeah my bounty hunter is i mean he's actually a good guy but he he'll do anything for a buck <laughs> Anything for the money, crazy whore for money. And, well, and and he's got this big ego, so every time you can answer something where he's just you know Johnny Badass, he does that. Oh, he gets my the, he's a, he my imperial agent hockey. is a chiss, which so I'm like I'm playing you know the Empire's great, but I hate the Sith because they're just a disruptive influence to the to the massive lawful evil order of the Empire. So That's so this. funny. That's really funny because, you know, I play, I, I only play as a Force user, and it's really funny because in a lot of the dialogue trees that I run across, we're like, God, you know, if only the Empire, these non-Force users would just buckle down and, and pay attention to our wisdom, you know? But every once in a while I run into someone who's like, you're damn, you damn Sith are doing nothing but like ruining the Empire with all your infighting and stuff. So it's really funny that there's like kind of a consistent story there. Oh, uh, yeah, that's, I mean, know, that's, I mean, I like, I like how they've done that. It's pretty fun. But anyway, that's, that's been pretty much it for me. Just, um, just Bioware games. So do you think are, you're going to play Mass Effect or what? Yeah, I am. I think I'll probably um, start um, before I finish. I mean, you can't really ever finish a character in an MMO, but yeah. before I max this guy out, I'll probably start playing a little bit. Well, like, how far did you get into it? Because you've, you've, I know you've tried it before, but I was curious how far you got if you stopped around the area that I did. No, I didn't get as far as you did even. I've, I've maybe put two hours into the game total. I mean, so you, did I just, you get to the first planet where there's like an attack going on and... Yeah, and I just didn't dig it. I it's, never got through that part. That's where I always got. I was like, 
I was uh, like, this this just reminds me of Halo, and I'm just not, you know. I know that's like a really bad way to view it, and I missed out on everything. But at the time, I was just like, man, you know, I feel like I'm playing a glorified version of Halo, and I'd I'd really rather just go play Dragon Age or you know something yeah. else. So, and I always I always tend to like to play games that are um, fantasy based over sci fi based yeah. for some reason. Yeah. And and so at the time, you know, it was like Dragon Age or Mass Effect. Well, I, I Dragon Age clearly won, and I've you know I've finished yeah. both Dragon Age one and two and all the expansions and all the DLC and everything. So I'm a bit of a completionist as far as that goes. But if I do invest in Mass Effect, which I which I have to do based on what I read, I was so impressed by the one article that you can't read, Noah, one <laughs> uh, from uh, Kotaku. Uh, I'm. It's like I've got to do it now because I really want to kind of know what that story is all about. So Sweet. that's my plan. But anyway, it was an epic week of gaming as far as um, all three of us. I believe it sounds like so. Yeah, listeners, if you want to share any of your impressions on what you've been playing, or have you just started Mass Effect like I have, or are you knee deep in Mass Effect Three, or you finished it, or are you? Working on your 10th character or 8th character, as Scott is doing in Old Republic. <laughs> Let us know at me. They're not all finished. They're all ongoing. <laughs> That's true. Well, it's just the act of starting, I suppose. Yeah. So let us know at mail. M-A-I-L. At channelmassive.com. Yep. Find us on Facebook. Oh, that's right. Let us know what you think about us on iTunes. Make sure the passion of your... Your feelings is only expressed by the number of stars. stars. Be it positive (laughs) or negative, five stars is the only way to tell us you care. Um, Yeah, I think that's it. You know, we just have no no plans to get into MySpace, so. (laughs) All right, up next, Mass Effect 3, full dialogue. You've been waiting for it. Here it comes. And now it's time for our hearty round table on the rage felt round the internet over Mass Effect 3's quote-unquote bad endings and the whole concept of gamer entitlement. And gosh, if we even want to get into it, the hideousness of DLC and spinoff novels and spinoff comics, but I'm going to put that further in the background for this discussion because the top two things are really, they really go hand in hand that people who love this franchise have been so excited about the concept of player actions, truly affecting the story, driving what happens, carrying over from one retail game to the next, which the first time I think this has ever been done and having the opportunity, the opportunity for lack of a better word, to let people in your party live or die and sometimes not being able to control that. And that follows through from one game to the next. So you think with a a massive sci-fi universe that's been created from scratch and has so much love and attention put into the story by creators Bioware that the ending is just going to be this incredible, euphoric, Nirvana-esque as Scott said earlier, experience and that you're going to really see the fruits of your decisions and your labor, all the hours that you've grinded come into this incredible 
epic conclusion with the end of the galaxy being at hand. And it turns out people didn't like it, or at least the press really liked it. And then there's some sized number of people out there. I don't know how many. It could be a vocal minority, but they really didn't like it. And they took to making petitions on the Internet and rage tweeting and rage blogging and even doing a fundraiser slash petition for Bioware to change the ending through a DLC. And then that doesn't even get into the concept of, well, is this DLC going to be free or not? But create an additional ending beyond the 16 endings that are possible in the game. Create a different ending or do something that doesn't scream, your decisions don't count. They don't matter. And guess what? There's apparently, and I haven't played through the games, as you guys know, um, there's some deus ex machina thing that rears its ugly head. That's definitely one of my least favorite things that happens in any story, no matter what the medium. But something pops up and changes everything, and people are very much, what the fuck? And what's interesting about that whole retake Mass Effect petition all the money raised from that, which was over $38,000, goes to Penny Arcade's Child's Play Children's Charity. Very cool. But just this whole concept, though, of a video game developer being taken to task for the story it chose to create, even with multiple endings, and however much it decided to let player decisions influence that ending. Do you guys think, Mark and Scott, that... Bioware should be on the hook for its creation. Do you think that it would be acceptable, encouraged, appropriate, or wrong for Bioware to create an alternate ending, as apparently happened with Fallout 3, from what I read? That's a really good question. So good, I'll puss out and not answer it. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> There are there are somewhere sixteen to eighteen. There's there's a, a lot of discussion on that of possible endings and kind of basic. I, I would say probably flavors of kind of three thrusts. So you, you know you have different possibilities within whether you played sort of the renegade, you know, sort of middle of the road or the really good guy. But with that, even within each of those, you are influencing the story. But you can't say, click this button to say, I want to win the game, and I, don't want, I want to be able to choose who lives and dies. Thank you. <laughs> and, but that's what they're asking for. Really? Wow. That is the, well, when you put it that way, it does sound unreasonable and ridiculous, Scott. I mean, they're asking for... I want to make whatever decisions I want, and I want to decide exactly how this story ends. Period. I want to write the story myself, that, Mad that, style. Well, no, and, no, that's not true. I, I, I mean, I'm just going to jump in and say, from what I've read, nobody says they want to write the story the way they want it at the end. They just aren't happy with the possible 18 or so different endings, and they want they want something that is, um. They want something different, but they—they're not. Nobody wants to go out on a ledge and kind of do it themselves. You know what I mean? They're just—they're hap- they're so damn caught up in being unhappy with it all, and feeling cheated and comparing it to Lost that they're not actually like. I guess my true feelings come out right away. They're—they're not, they're not like trusting in the same company that gave them all these that that got them caught up in the storyline and got them 
um, you know, on this train, they're saying all of a sudden, I'm not satisfied with the way you've ended it, and, and therefore the whole thing's just been a sham, and you got to keep working until you get this right. Well, see, and I, and but, I don't like but that. right is a floating target. That's what I mean. It's like, what do you mean right? What do you mean by right? That's what I'm saying. Right to them is, this is not the way I would have ended this story, so I want you to change it. Right. And they won't, and it's like, but they won't, I don't know. It's, it's like, like, you didn't write the story. Just no. Just read the book. And if you don't like that they kill Sormon at the end, write your own damn book. <laughs> That's <laughs> write your slash right. <laughs> That's exactly right. It's, I mean, look, hey, I loved Farscape, and I thought it was stupid as hell at the end of the, the show that they killed him off in the boat. I, Spoiler alert. I liked, I liked, I loved Lost, oh, that, but I thought the last Farscape's season... Been, Farscape's been out, been for years and years, so... That's you had your chance, listeners. If you haven't caught up on Farscape, you're just, it's your yeah. own damn fault. But I mean, <laughs> um, but here's the thing. This was, this would have upset me if there was no possible scenario where my character I've carried through three games could survive. It just wasn't going to happen. That's not true. That is true. That's not no. true. That's Wait, not true. You, no, you haven't finished the game, Scott. I because I could not play through three games if if I had no way of saving my character. So you've you've cheated in a way to. to I at least know that it's possible. It. I don't know what the choices I have to make to get there is, but yeah. I at least know. <laughs> and nothing's going to stop you from playing it five times. No, no. <laughs> but that to me would be yes. I would think that that would be poorly written. Yeah. But you're that that in and of itself. That's the very def, definition of you have influence on the ending of the game. Mm-hmm. You're you're able to have your depending on your decisions. Your main character, the only one that you really should be able to control and care about. Ultimately, you can he can either make it or not make it. And he can and and there is a win and there is a lose. <laughs> I mean, I don't. Yeah, that's there's I'm not a, re- much more that you could ask for. Than that. I am I'm apparently this really there is gets under my this actually really gets under my skin. Well, Uh-oh. I oh go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just getting worried. <laughs> no, I mean the whole this whole thing about a bad ending and it, it's it, I mean literally it is I've read this book and I don't like the way that the writer wrote the end of it, so I'm going to write the writer and force him to write me an ending that I like. Mm-hmm. That's that's ultimately what they're saying. That's that's kind of what I was not saying very clearly when I had my initial jump jump on point of this story. It's like <laughs> I guess what I was saying was it's like you you've entrusted yourself with the, these writers to come up with a compelling story and all of a sudden you're like Oh no! This just took a turn that just can't stand. There needs to be a free um, downloadable content patch <laughs> with a final ending that is really good. And they're just going to say, "Ah ha 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 ha! This was all a joke. This was all a dream. It was a bad dream." And I want an ending that's actually going to be full of unicorns and rainbows because I don't like the way this went. It's like it's supposed to be dark science fiction. It's mm-hmm. supposed to have consequences. It's supposed Lost. to have. Loss. It's supposed to have sacrifice, yeah. and and I mean I, I mean I know, I'm, I'm not going to spoil it, but you can just imagine 
that there's a strong parallel between one of the endings and the the like whole like story of Christianity with like the the the, the you know the messianic sacrifice story, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like you sacrifice and your main was, character, that, and that story what? sadly is so foreshadowed. That you but, can avoid it if you don't want to do it. <laughs> you could avoid the hell out of it if you want to. But if, but I mean, I'm like, I wouldn't be unsatisfied with that. I would not be really unsatisfied if I played through all three games as Shepard, and my particular ending was that I sacrificed myself to save all mankind at the end. It's like, I mean, I teared up when I played um, StarCraft One. And the uh, Protoss guy sacrificed himself to save everybody, right? I like it was like my first like experience playing a game where I was emotional about it. Well, and I and, will say it, I would have, I would have, it would have, I'm not say upset me. I would have not liked the ending if I had no option of having to be able to. I mean, if you know, because you're selling me this game saying that I can influence the story. But if yeah. no matter what I do, I could die in the end, then I'm not mm-hmm. technically – maybe I'm influencing the window dressing, but I'm not really influencing the story. It's the journey, not the conclusion. Right, but, <laughs> but, but that's wanna, not the case. I don't want a rated G story, though. Well, no. Well, I know. I'm not even – I'm just saying the possibility. But they give you that. Yeah. And I, I really liked what Mark brought up earlier in the world of television, and I've certainly got, I'm sure, books that I can cite to if I – had a better memory, but I still really love the television series Lost and Battlestar Galactica, even though I really didn't like either of those series endings. Right. And I can't say I'd, I'd let the, I, I will say that both those series had kind of crap endings that left a bad taste in my mouth, but I still really love those shows and say that they're some of my all time favorite shows. And I would expect a game like Mass Effect, a franchise like this isn't going to have, a super fantastic ending. I mean, and there's lots of stories out there and games that are tragic and you know that they're heading towards a sad quote unquote ending, but it's still great entertainment. But, and you know, one other thing is that goes, that's kind of gone by the wayside as far as people just losing their minds over this. This isn't necessarily the end of the mass effect series. This is just the end of a chapter of the Mass Effect series. And here's the thing. The way that this story is structured, and, you know, there's there's been rumblings of a Mass Effect MMO or something else and all this other kind of stuff. Um, They have built, I would argue, one of the most compelling uh, tapestries to write another story against. All of the sub-races are interesting. All the byplay between the races is interesting. There aren't any quote-unquote good guys, which is – I mean that's one of Bioware's kind of – you know, that's one of their trademarks is nobody's just good. Nobody's just evil. I mean even the humans, there's some some bad parts. I mean there's a lot of uh, – to me it's it's what Babylon 5 should have (laughs) been. Hey, no, that's a good point. I mean, it's like, obviously, for any science fiction story, you kind of have to borrow a little bit from some of the classics. And in in science fiction, you know, there's two different... There's a TV series and a movie series that seem to, you know, have a lot of uh, 
attention being you know Star Wars and Star Trek, and you ha- you can't just ignore those because they're so prolific and so vast in their scope and you know I mean, and so it's like they took a lot of stuff obviously from what I've been reading and even from what I saw in my massive two hours of gameplay. I mean, they've taken a lot of influences from from that and just science fiction in general and good story writing and everything and kind of put it all together, you know, so. I, well, I mean, um, even, even, you know, compelling story hooks. Right. Are, have their compelling story hooks, whether they were written, you know, I mean, a great – We'll go off on a tangent here. John Carter, the Disney movie coming out. Oh, Everybody's yeah. like, oh, it's 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 Avatar. Well, hell, the book was written in 1913, <laughs> oh, so Avatar just robbed the crap out of it. That's, that's Edward Rice Burroughs. I mean, that makes me so angry because I have read every single one of those books. And right? they're great. And, they're and that, great. I loved that world. And, you know, it's so funny because I read it so early in my life that I – like totally forgot about it until I started to watch like these trailers for this movie and it all came back flooding back to me and I'm like oh my god I actually remember a whole lot of this stuff it's like some like corner of my mind has been it's shut off for if 30 you've read years the books and you like them go see the movie it's oh good. yeah I, I definitely plan on seeing the movie I I, I can't wait but yeah, I love it when you say, "Oh, that's a that's just an Avatar ripoff." It's like, okay, actually, there. Did you hear that the the complaint for that? Um, it's on a total tangent. One of the complaints about the movie is that the names are too hard to pronounce. <laughs> <laughs> so, so well, yes, there there is no role playing segments where we're yes. going to live role play. We're going to LARP it. We're going to totally LARP it. But yeah, there is no uh, unobtainium uh, in this. There's actually yeah. some names for things, but um, yeah, Deja Thoris, way too hard for any human to pronounce. It's like Spock's Tar-tar-gus. name. Nobody can say it, right? Yeah, Tartar. How could anyone say such a name and live? But <laughs> yeah, anyway, I agree with you, Scott. Here, I, I mean, ultimately, all three game, all three games have these moments where you. You can choose live or die for somebody. Compelling NPC characters that have full stories that you can invest in. And if you choose wrong, they die. If you choose right, they live. And I, I'm, now, I'm going to say... And, but the thing is, neither answer is wrong. Right. They're morally ambiguous. And it's There just, are compelling reasons for both. Right. There's one place in the first game you have to pick. One of two people has to die. Cake or death, you must choose now. <laughs> Cake or death, I love it. Cake or death, but that's been and they, but then they they draw on that emotional investment that you. It's a hard choice in that game at that point, and they draw on that emotional choice through the other games. That's what makes it compelling, and the fact that, I mean, there are moments where you know there are some moments of sacrifice and things like that, and that's what I mean. If 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 it did everything the way I wanted it to do it, or the way I think it should have been done, I don't. I know myself well enough. I probably wouldn't have been invested in the game as much because, right. I, you know, I mean, some of the some of the the interaction pieces. No, don't do that to him or her. You know, it's 
But, I don't know. But just I was just going to say, how do you make it compelling if it just answers all your questions exactly the way you want to answer it? It shouldn't. There should be. There should be. There should be something that's not quite perfect in your little world. But I was just going to say, you know, this this is something I think. This whole argument, this whole all this drama, is something unique to Bioware. And I know a lot of people will say, no, the storytelling in Skyrim and other Bethesda titles is just as good, like Fallout 3. And I'm sorry, people, it's not. Bioware no, it's not. has had a consistent lead in this ever since they came out with Baldur's Gate. Even now, we'll that, say that their story, their background material is as good. Sure. But, but the problem the is, is their story is much more uh, straightforward and not as nuanced. Mm. Right. Yeah, it's, you know, I mean, it's like Bethesda always has that, that we're going to also make it kind of an open world sandbox thing in the back of their mind that in some ways prevents the storytelling um, from reaching kind of the full, um, what would you say? It's like it just can't reach the same kind of scope, the same kind of like grand, like sweeping kind of story that Bioware has been doing for so many years and perfecting. And they're hiring people who are hardcore writers. They're not hiring people who, you know, are like, I'm going to spend 90% of my time on this combat system and the other 10% I'll be writing, doing some creative writing stuff or some side quests. It's like they are so dedicated to the story and bringing the story to the player and making it personal and giving you, making you invested in it. It's and like you, and you are, you are and invested. You are, and and I've, you know, I've, I've, like I say, from Baldur's Gate all the way through, um, you know, especially I, I really was head over heels in love with Dragon Age. Their MMO, you know, tour is the only one. I, you know, I played through the Kotar one. I didn't finish Kotar two, but I mean, their, um, their stories are. And their games and the story that's integrated into them are so compelling that they just sweep me off my feet sometimes as a player. And I, you know, like, oh, my God, this like this last week playing their MMO, which, you know, you would just expect to have a watered down story, managed to completely separate me from my beloved League of Legends. I mean, that <laughs> just can't be right. I mean, it's like I know. It's, it's impossible, but it's yet it happens with these guys. I'll, I'll say, Noah, you've, you've had these a few times. And I'm, Mark, I know you've had these. You have gaming moments. You know, little little snippets. There, oh, totally. there's 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 a there's a probably one of my top two or three in just in the first ten hours of Mass Effect Three. Wow. I mean, it was just like, wow, that wasn't the end of the story. I mean, because that was that good. It, it could just been that it was that good. That could have that, been the whole end. I mean, that could have been it right there. You it know, was that good. I have um, I kind of combine those with um, those like. Um, I don't know what they are. I used to call them like moment of glory or something like that with gaming. But there's also like TV series that you're invested in or movies where there's just a pivotal moment where you're like, I can't believe they fucking did that. And then a lot of times it's like a, it's not a, oh, that was so lame. It's like awe. And there's, mm-hmm. there's three times uh, that I had that, like, I just like was like, oh my God, watching Battlestar Galactica. There was at least a couple times watching Lost, mm-hmm. but as far as gaming goes, it's always been a Bioware title where I've gone. I can't believe that happened. I didn't see that coming, and so, you know. And there's some books too that I've read that are the same way. But it's it's really funny because there's been no other um, you know game 
developer that's evoked that that feeling for me that only comes from good story writing. And I think it's the same thing Scott's talking about, um, where you're just like, I was so drawn in and I was just amazed by the way things turned out that I just was literally my jaw dropped and hit the floor. And I was like, I cannot believe that's what they just did. That is so cool. I'm getting like goosebumps from this, you know? So I don't know. I mean, you know, the bad guys are really bad. I mean, really bad. Like you just want to stomp on their throat bad. I mean, it's just, they're just bad. You just don't, they, they make a good villain. They just make a good villain. They do. And, and Noah, here's the overarching story of Mass Effect. It has nothing to do with destroying the the galaxy. It is yes, what is everything. No, it is <laughs> what is humanity? What does it mean to be human? What does that entail? What um, what moral grounds do you are universal? What are not? Um, how does how does machine and man interact? What is what is considered correct? Um, you know, what, when does it become grotesque? When is it? When is this a, an abomination? When is it not? All, that's the story of this. Is it's it's the story of humanity within the universe. It has nothing to do with. I mean the. The the machines coming to to take out life is is backstory. <laughs> it is. I mean, I thought it was about the midichlorian count. I mean, seriously. <laughs> I mean, if you when you start getting into it, if you just keep in your back of your head, I'm making a decision on the definition of humanity in this. What does humanity mean in this setting? And every every like gotcha moment is you're defining. What that definition is in this story. That's what you're doing. Yeah, which of course is really compelling. Exactly. And if the thing is, some people I think are uncomfortable at the end of it at the sum of their decisions. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not, I mean, I can argue you do not have total control over this story. That's true. Which but you, you, you ha- couldn't. But you have really? you have you, you couldn't and have a have a viable game. The game yeah, could a good not story, right? I mean, this I mean the story could go to to pot really quick. You have to see. But some you have an amazing amount of influence. Amazing amount of influence. I mean, I've had in the first ten hours of Mass Effect Three, I've had two moments where I'm like, really? Are you kidding me? <laughs> And it wouldn't have happened if I'd have made a wrong decision, and I wouldn't even have known it was a wrong decision earlier in the game or in the game one. It it just uh, it upsets me. They're not entitled in any way. There is no bad ending to Mass Effect Three. They could kill everybody, and it's fine. That's a good ending. So, what do you think of Bioware's response? to the complaints, particularly, who is the name of this gentleman? Executive producer Casey Hudson said, I didn't want the game to be forgettable, and even right down to the sort of polarizing reaction that the Indians have had with people, debating what the Indians mean and what's going to happen next, and what situation are the characters left in. 
that to me is part of what's exciting about this story. There's always been a little bit of mystery there and a little bit of interpretation. And it's a story that people can talk about after the fact. I, I agree with him. Because, I mean, people are talking about it. People yep. that are interested in this, I mean, people that would, well, I don't care what the ending of that of that story is. They're interested in it now. Yeah. I'm I'm interested in it, and I I was kind of ambivalent towards the Mass Effect series. Really, I I I felt that I, I mean this is this is me being totally wrong and fessing up to it, but I felt that Mass Effect was um, kind of the more watered down version as far as the story goes of the Bioware titles. I didn't really. Like I said, I thought when my my initial play through the first title, I felt like I was playing a Halo knockoff, and I didn't really get into it. But I totally, you know, misjudged it based on what I'm hearing now, and you know, looking into you know people's commentary and talking to you guys, it's like there's a whole lot more to this series than I thought. I thought it was almost like a almost like a technology test kind of thing for the Dragon Age series. Because every time Mass Effect would come out, then there'd be a Dragon Age, and then that Dragon Age would have the same interface. Like, Dragon Age 2 had Mass Effect 2's interface and pissed off everyone. You know, it's that kind of a thing. But I didn't realize that on its own it had the same or even better story. Um, I would argue it's a better story than Dragon Age. More nuanced and more layers. Right. But I will say that the first game is not a perfect game. There are some mechanic Although, limitations in the first game. There, I mean, things they could have done better, and things they did improve upon in the later games. But it's almost like it's not, it's not a bad game by any stretch. And at the time, it was great. But you can, even playing it now, you will some of the little mechanic things that kind of nag at you a little bit, is, I think Noah playing it the way he's playing it is the way to do it. Right, get, right. Get the the good of the first game is the compelling content, the story, and get, that will get you. And the gameplay wise, there's some slight changes between two and three, but nothing. Um, the Mass Effect three, the the third one is a little more fluid. Um, like some of the moves are are a little like the response time of the actual game is a little better. So it's it kind of plays a little more run and gun. Which is kind of good because some of the some of the action is you know a bit um, I don't know it, it seems a little more frantic because of the faster pace a little bit uh, I kind of thought that was an improvement um, the boss in the second game is yeah I mean it's you know yeah but if you if you if you take out what it is and put the the story piece in the grand story. Mm-hmm. All compelling. All compelling. And there, I mean, all through it, it's like, who are the good guys? Who are the bad guys? You know, and ultimately, the most satisfying one I've found is, is like, screw it. Shepard is, he's his own path. Mm-hmm. And, that, I mean, you make your own decisions. You go forward. I mean, I, I, I can't say enough good things about it. you got to play it. Sorry. So what's your opinion, Scott, of... So much of the storyline, whether you, whether it's deemed important or not by Bioware, is taking place in secondary and other mediums such as 
extra novelizations, comic books, or DLC. There's a, a fun editorial over on GameSpot asking, who the hell is James Vega? Where if you just assume that you're going to kick off Mass Effect 3 right after the end of Mass Effect 2, you're totally thrown off because there's a new guy that's being introduced that has a history and has already back and forth with Shepard. And there's apparently, from what I can imply or infer, little done to really explain that background because it's like, oh, well, you didn't get the DLC. You're not gonna well, there's know. not. There's a DLC at the end of 2 where at the end, at the end of 2 – you kind of there's a there's kind of a break in how you're doing things. I'm gonna try to be as ambig- kind of ambiguous. I appreciate that, Scott. <laughs> there's a break in, in uh, there's a break in how things have gone through to you're kind of you kind of you, you kind of come to a, a separation of some sort. Well, there's a DLC where something happens again. Something happens after that, and um, it. It it has an effect on the characters that you have now. Nobody dies or anything like that, but um, it has a it basically is is almost like a prologue to where Mass Effect Three starts. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't at the end you kill the big boss. That's not a big spoiler, or the big boss kills you if you choose poorly. <laughs> <laughs> if you drink out of the wrong chalice, you turn into stone. You know that. Yes. <laughs> um, at the end of that, it doesn't pick that is not where three picks up. Something happens, it changes your the situation, and then that's where three starts. And mm-hmm. if you it, it, if you had two and you didn't do anything at all before you picked up three, it's gonna take you fifteen minutes to figure out what happened. But there is enough foreshadowing if you're paying attention to the story to where you figure it out. Yeah. Um, I think that that one piece of DLC was per, was actually pretty good, so it's worth getting. Um, Which one is it? Is it Ascension or Arrival? Or was it? It's uh, I'd have to go back and look. Yeah. But I'll I'll, I'll email you because it that one is worth it because from the transition it, yeah. it helps. Um. I will say this about DLC. In the in the second one, there's a couple DLC where you get some other NPC characters. They're both window dressing. Not bad stories in and of themselves, but they do not tie into the story in any real meaningful way. I mean, they have you know some of the ancillary um, groups that are that are. You know, part of the story, they, there's some interaction there on a, a light level, but ultimately yeah. they're not. You know, whether you got that DLC or not does not change the big story in any way, in any meaningful way. Yeah, they don't. I have not seen either one of them show up at all in the third one. They're they are true, just add-ons. Now I will say, I actually bought the digital deluxe edition because I wanted the the DLC for Mass Effect Three. Right, and. I can't. You haven't even played through the first one, so I can't even give away. It is. It is so good. It is. If you play Mass Effect Three and you don't buy this DLC, you're missing out. So you're you're playing it on the PC then, huh? Yes. And no, you're playing it on the Xbox or the Sony or yeah, the 360. Okay. Just curious. Mm-hmm. The deal. The DLC character in the digital deluxe edition 
Now, granted, I just liked – to me, that made the Digital Deluxe Edition compelling to buy. I get this extra piece, and BioWare is going to make that piece available for purchase outside of the Digital Deluxe Edition. To me, that was – that's brilliant. I don't have any problem with that in any way. It actually gives me something other than some little pewter character I can set on the side of my counter. Something <laughs> actually makes a difference in the game. Wait a minute now. <clears throat> Excuse I'm me. Just saying. Are, you, are you saying that pewter figures are not adding value to your experience? No, they're not. Man, well, I, we've talked about microtransactions and DLC and things like that, and the one <laughs> thing we've always said was, don't give me game-breaking stuff. Make it compelling. Give me content. Oh, no, absolutely. I totally agree with you. And it, Hey, I would argue he's one of the best new characters in the game. What? He's, I mean, it's, and it, it's lore-heavy. It, it makes you look at one aspect of this story um, totally different. Totally different. So worth it. Can't, can't speak highly enough of the DLC. The two from the second one, give or take, doesn't matter if you get them or not. Both of them have have good little side stories. They're worth it just for their side stories, but it does not add anything to the game. The DLC from the third one, I I would say you're actually – the game is not as good if you don't get it. Hmm. And have you read any of the novels? Uh, I've read one. I read the the Ascension, and it's okay because it's – but it's not – to me (sighs) – you know how Lord of the Rings, the game, is sort of like, here's what all the other heroes in Middle-earth are doing while the real thing's going on. That's kind of what I got out of the books. Now, they're both good. I mean, yeah, from what I understand, both of them are, are, are decent. I mean, I don't know from a writing standpoint how good the second one is, Revelations or something like that. But, um, you know, I mean, it wasn't bad, but it didn't. I didn't feel like I got more out of the game by reading the book or anything like that. I really think if they do come out with something else, though, I would like to see a prequel. Oh, that would make sense. Well, listeners, like before Shepard, so you know when, right when the humans kind of go on to the galactic stage and all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of compelling backstory that they could flesh out pretty easy. Do you think that's where they're going to go? If if I... Since I'm an entitled gamer and and <laughs> I don't want a bad ending, <clears throat> I would argue that's where they need to go. Because there is sort of a... I mean, this is, you know, galaxy ending type thing, so you don't want a hangover after that and try to start the game from that point so you know before the bad guys get there there's all kinds of compelling things going on so god once y'all play through these we're going to have to have a real (laughs) real conversation (laughs) a true discussion a spoiler cast (laughs) i I think i've done pretty well i have not given away you've done excellently i definitely have not gone what the i have been quite happy yeah it's, it's it's You've done just fine. Yeah, you're everything we had hoped for and more. <laughs> I strive for perfection. So. Yeah, definitely. 
I do think, I mean, ultimately just ancillary products in general for a video game can do nothing but help. Yeah. Um, especially a story-driven game because most of what those are doing is just adding backstory. Yeah. And that can do nothing but help. Yeah. Well, that's Scott's take, and he's the most he has the most informed take out of the three of us on this. Listeners, if you are embroiled in this and want to share spoiler-free reactions to what's been going on with Mass Effect 3, send them into mail. M-A-I-L. At channelmassive.com. Thank you very much for joining us, Scott. Oh, and, and before we wrap it up, I just want to uh, do a public service announcement, if I might. For... So um, I was just looking up while we were talking. I was just looking up like some of the different you know games that had been like you know had like stories that I thought were interesting and stuff like that. Well, anyway, along the way, um, while trying to look up Bioware titles and specifically, there's um, some enhancements that have that are going to come out for Baldur's Gate, like in a new version. I went to my GOG dot com login. And I found out that you can currently download Ultima 4 for free from there. So if you've ever wondered what some of those old school Ultima games are like but never wanted to spend the, dare I say, $3 or so for <laughs> one of them, <laughs> you can go to GOG.com, goodoldgames.com, and download Ultima 4, Quest of the Avatar, for free. Um, all you have to do is register for the site if you aren't already a GOG subscriber, and you can have it for free. And it, it's just such a cool game. I I must have spent, you know, I don't know how many hours I spent on that game and I was just totally in love with the way they did everything. So I just wanted to kind of do a shout out for that. Free games are always good. Aren't they though? Yeah, they, there are other free games that you will be able to download if you sign up for GOG.com, even if you don't download anything but Ultima 4. Um, they have, there's, there's a few interesting ones, like, I think there's like a Leisure Suit Larry title that you can get, <laughs> which is, you know, those are hilarious. It's the uh, uh, Lure of the Temptress, I think is it's called. And there, there's just a few different titles that are available for free there, and they're, they're really cool. So I just wanted to say that before we end it, because I know I'll never remember to say it again. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Thank you, Mark. Oh, and sure. thank you to all the listeners for downloading our show and writing in. We always love to hear from you. We appreciate you taking the time to listen to our show. This is a meaty episode. We hope you don't mind. We'll be back next week. Warcraft for 10 years. If I can't play Diablo 3 soon, I might just kill myself.